What happened again, guys? Happened what ha- again. What happened? What, what happened? S- snubbed at the Game Awards. Snubbed oh. is which one? Which one were you vying for? Best gamer. Top, just best gamer. World's best gamer. Knows the most cheat codes. Do you I, I, feel like you need to stop putting so much money into your campaigns? Yeah. No. Griffin, I was curious about that because I opened up a Woman's Day at Kroger. Yeah. And there was a two-page spread of you in black and white, <laughs> arms outstretched, shirtless. Yeah. And it said, for your consideration. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, who are you trying to it, reach? It didn't even say best gamer or game yeah, none of that. It, it said just nothing. Said for it your just consideration. said for your consideration. And it's, uh, it said, fuck Greg Miller on it. And, it, <laughs> and that's not even like, you're not even supposed to cuss in magazines. Yeah, so no, that I was get that through. I got in a little bit of trouble. I don't think they let people with names in the influencer category anymore. I think you you got to be You got to be like Stinkman 69. Pop 380. <laughs> well, I guess next year keep keep an eye out for fart guy 20 Fart guy. Three. Fart guy 20. Fart guy 23. Is 23. my message is uh, brought to you by the Fuck Greg Miller campaign. My name is Love Fart. Him. My name is Fartmaster23, and I approve this message. <laughs> Fuck Greg Miller. Attack ads. That's what the influencer category needs. Tear everybody else down. My name is Justin McElroy, and I know, I can't believe I finally get to say it, the best game of the year. My name is Griffin McElroy, and I've known the best game of the year in my heart of hearts for a long time. My name is Christopher Thomas Plant, and we're going to be talking about Nier Automata. We're going to be talking 13 Sentinels. We're going to be talking (laughs) Spelunky 1 and Spelunky 2. I am ready. My name is Ross Frostick, and I know the best game of the week. Welcome to the Besties, where we talk about the latest and greatest in home interactive entertainment. It's a video game club, but just by listening, my friend, you are an official member. Congratulations. Uh, Today, we are going to be honoring pretty much the only consistent, (laughs) and even this is like (laughs) semi-consistent feature of the the Besties experiment, as we have... uh, as we like to think of it here, uh, our game of the year, picking the best game of the year. And you say consistent because it generally we've done it the same way for many years. No, it's just that this kind of shape is usually at the end of this part of the year around here. Yeah, yeah that's as question, consistent. There, as there were years where we didn't do the show except for this episode. Yes. <laughs> yes. We've always done this episode, right? Yes. yes as, as far as, as I'm aware. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think we're 11 years and counting. Is that right? 10 or 11, something yeah, like that. This will be the, the, I think this is our, is this tenth. our 10th one? I think this is our 10th game of the year special. Congratulations, everybody. One other thing that is consistent about this, we do it, but we change the rules basically every, every time. Every time, yeah. Should I explain the rules for this year? Please do, because yeah. I think it's, I think it is your masterpiece, Chris Blake. Yeah, it's really Thank good. Thank you. That's really kind of you. Wait, so here's wait, how wait, before you do this, can oh I do one, say one thing? Uh huh. Before you tell how we're going to do it this year, I just want to real quick run through our previous winners. Oh, oh yeah. sure. Oh, great, great yeah. idea. Uh, twenty twelve, Dishonored. 
2013, The Legend of Zelda A Link Between Worlds. No, sorry, can you pause for one second? I believe those were the only two games to actually win the bestie, which was a statue of Marcus Phoenix that I spray painted gold. <laughs> oh my god! Wait, did you have two different ones, or did you take it from Arcane to give it to Nintendo? I just never bothered to put it in the mail. Yeah, I don't think we yeah, ever gave they, it to anyone. They had it in a. Do you know where the bestie is now, Plant? I, I don't know if it made my last move. It made yeah. it to Texas, but I don't know if it made it from Texas to California, uh, you know? T- 2014 Dark Souls 2, and that was with New York Giraffe putting in a tiebreaker vote over Hearthstone. How do you feel about that? <laughs> Suspect. New York 2015, this is my favorite. This is from the Besties Wiki on fandom. Uh, inconclusive. <laughs> <laughs> Bloodborne won the initial vote, but Chris and Russ were willing to switch to Rocket League, and then New York Giraffe showed up to second Griffin's favorite, Undertale, which is where the discussion <laughs> That is a a fine year for the roses there in 2015, 2016, Stardew Valley, 2017, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, 2018, Return of the Oberdin, Lucas, Where You At? 2019, Sekiro Shadows Die Twice, 2020, Hades, 2021, Resident Evil Village. That's a wild one. Yeah, surprising. I don't remember. That was last year. We're actually doing our our 11th winner this year. This okay. will be our 11th winner. Uh, well, not if you no, count 20 fucking count 2015. Yeah. yeah our 10th <laughs> winner. It's like the 30th winner. Uh, okay. What's the plan? Should I do it? Yeah. yeah, do it. Okay, here's how it works. We do a bracket. There are 16 games in this bracket. 12 of them were picked by us. Four of them were voted on by y'all, the listeners, right? We're going to do a round of that bracket today. Just one round. That is eight matchups. That's a lot. That's a lot for your ears, and we're really excited about it. After we do that, next week, we're going to get that eight down to a final four. And once we get to the final four, we're not going to do what we used to do, which is like have basically some of our favorite games, I don't know, ever have to like fight each other. That's not fun. That's just bullying things we like. We're going to take those final four. We're going to throw in Elden Ring. You were wondering where that was at. I saw you. I saw you on, on, on the comments. Yeah, Elden Ring is not even going to show up in round one. It instantly makes it to the final four. It that makes it there, which becomes the final five. And yep. then together as a team, we are going to put together the besties top five. Yes. So it's going to be more about placement than it is about like dunking on all of these now, awesome Is this games. a fix to solve the problem that there will be no tension as to what our number one game of the year will be no. i don't so i am not fully convinced that oh, elden ring that. is our number one game. i love that i can't that's so cute i love we'll this we'll see I, we'll I, 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 I could definitely be wrong but hey there have been a lot of great games that ended up not winning <laughs> yeah <laughs> because um, of like weird i don't know the math doesn't always add let's up. let's take a quick break and then let's let's get there let's do it <sighs> You go get a phone. You just want a phone to talk to your friends and family. You're not asking so much. Then you get these contracts and you get ripped off because you got all this fine print little details. And all of a sudden they're sucking money out of your pocket like some sort of digital leech. You know, the contract may sound good uh, up front, but there's always some sort of catch. You know who's not going to do that to you? Not going to pull that nonsense. Mint Mobile. Their wireless plans. There is no catch. $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those savings directly on to you. 
You want to pay hundreds of dollars for like literal hundreds of dollars for your wireless plan? Or do you want to have a nice, easy solution, save some, put the bucks back in your pocket, pay 15 bucks a month? Say bye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw dropping monthly bills. The unexpected overages sound familiar to get this new customer offer and get your new three month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month. Go to mintmobile.com slash besties. That's mintmobile.com slash besties. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash besties. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. I love this first matchup, guys. I'm so excited for this one. Kirby in the Forgotten Land versus Pokemon. Do you like it because one of them has to lose? <laughs> no matter who wins, <laughs> I win. I think Justin liked Kirby, no? Uh, oh, no, I like Kirby a lot. Quite yeah, a bit, okay. actually. Okay, well, do you want to do you want to take that one, Justin? Because I, yeah. I can't imagine you want to take Pokemon. I'm no great expert in like the the Kirby lineage. It's He's definitely pinking around. Like, d- dunk, yeah, ducked in and out on. Uh, what made Kirby such a like special game for me, and I, I'm I think at least one or one other person on here. Um, it is just a great game to share with somebody. So you're, mm-hmm. you know, it's Kirby. You're running around. You're you're uh, sucking up all the enemies and and uh, using their powers against them. And that's just as like fun and cool as it's ever been. There's a lot of like it feels very different character to character. And then you inhale like bigger stuff that can do some environmental puzzles sucking up stairs and things like that lots of collectibles lots of like all the fun third person platformer stuff um and then you can throw a second player on there as waddle Dee, who is uh not less powerful oh i mean it is less powerful but is different abilities more like mobility and some more distance attacks and stuff like that um and it just makes a really great game especially to play with with a kid um who maybe hasn't like mastered 3d control but you know, wants to be able to participate. Uh, and it looks great. And it's just so eager to please. And the bosses actually like ramp up in difficulty in a really like satisfying way. Um, I just, just want to so- say there's an epic moment. And I think I talked about this when we initially talked about the game where uh, King DDD like basically sacrifices himself to save Kirby and friends, like has this epic moment where an elevator door is closing and he's like no keep going and he like faces off an army with his hammer like i did not expect an emotional connection to a kirby game and they fucking nailed it i also want to say that this game has a difficulty curve that kirby (laughs) and i would say nintendo games in general are not known for this game has like once you beat the game, it unlocks this like shadow world that is way tougher than anything else in the game. It unlocks these like tournaments, these like boss rush style tournaments with like hell versions of bosses <laughs> that are present throughout the game. Uh, H- Henry was very much in that like not super experienced with 3D, you know, gaming uh, twin stick like moving and looking at the same time sort of gaming. This was the game he cut his teeth on this year yeah. and went from like being a, pr- a pretty much a novice at this style of game to like me and him like jumping up and down and screaming as we took down the like nightmare boss at the end of the the final tournament. It was uh I don't know if this is my game of the year but that's definitely like my favorite moment 
I had this year playing video games. I and literally the exact same thing with Mosey. And it, there's something about the design of this game. It, it is like a lesson on how to play 3D games. It it is 2D. It's not. It's like that 2.5D at times. The way it feels so simple. It's not you know not open world like uh, Mario Odyssey or Mario right. 64. Um, and it it's forgiving. The the decision to just change your health if you want to put on easy mode is so simple but so effective at keeping you in the game. It, you know, it's basically enough health to kind of bash through the level, um, but it's not just unlimited health. Um, I I completely agree in that playing it with Mo, it really opened my eyes to, you know, what goes into designing a game like this for kids. Yeah. Um, and stuff that I, I think we've talked about this, but that I just ran past whenever I played this sort of game. And, mm-hmm. you know, Mo would spend hours, hours at the home base and, like, yeah. going to sleep in. Every every time we finished the game, he had to tuck Kirby into his bed in his house. That's so um, Yeah, and, it, like, that, those little details are there for a reason, even if us old adults, you know, skip right past them. There's one decision that this game makes that I think is truly inspired, and I think every tired franchise in the world can learn from, which is they... They just simply asked, what is it that this character actually does? Right? And here's what I mean by that. They said, Kirby, what does he do? He swallows things and takes their powers. And like, yeah, but how can we show that in a different way? And they're like, what if he just swallows them and they get stuck? Hmm. And it's a brilliant idea. Yeah. <laughs> like, what if, what if he just swallows a car and instead of turning into like a fun cartoon car, he just has a car stuck in his body? That's great. I, I don't know. That's a great idea. Tell me more. And they just keep doing it throughout the game. And it's it's awesome. I, it's so funny every damn time. I really hope you guys are not counting on me to represent Pokemon Legends Arceus. Yeah, we definitely are. How did it? Who, I mean, I didn't uh, play. Was I didn't, this a Raider? Contribution. I, I, I'll, talk, I'll talk about. It. I think yeah, this I think Chris great. was the one who dug it the most. I, was, I think it I was, was a reader vote. Okay, Plant. What is it about this one that that resonated with you? They did something new. It's that's, true. That's it. You know, they try. They they tried something new. And is the bar so low? Yes, yes, it is. They they haven't they haven't really tried a whole lot new like this in in decades. And this has been the dream since I had you know pokemon red on my you know game boy of like what would it be like if we had a console a real console video game of pokemon and then once open world games came out oh man what what if it was this and they they did it is it extremely rough around the edges yeah definitely would i like the um the setting to be like denser and look like i don't know like a finished video game for sure then again I saw uh, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, yeah. and that, that somehow got even worse. So maybe I have to reset my expectations again? I don't know. Do I think it is better than Kirby and the Forgotten Land? Absolutely not. I think this is a pretty easy one yeah. because Kirby and the Forgotten Land is, to me, a franchise that I was kind of mixed on, hitting its like potential. And Pokemon Arceus is at the very start of that journey. Like... I, I I would not be surprised if a sequel, if they really buckled down and were given the resources and the time, which I know is a big ask, <laughs> could be awesome. 
but no, Kirby and the Forgotten Land, I mean, this is this is the Nintendo game for me of this year. And I, I would have never Same. guessed it would have been a Kirby in a year with two Pokemon games. Yep. Yeah, I, I want, I like desperately want this to be the future of the Pokemon franchise. And I realize there's a lot of people out there that want the traditional turn base, but with a better a, a game engine or whatever, just better performance. But, like, I find this way more engaging than, like, traditional Pokemon combat. And so I want this to be the future, but I am deeply concerned that they don't have the back end to, like, hold this up long term. Maybe uh, Scarlet and Violet and the re- I mean, Scarlet response. and Violet sold a billion trillion copies. It did. Cop- it did. Hold on. I, I, I am... Uh, I. Maybe next year is the year where I just give up hope on this franchise entirely. No, but like, I know that's sacri- sacrilegious to say a bit, but I am. I the further I get from the release of Scarlet and Violet, the more sort of like pissed off I am about how how uh, just lazy the, 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 those games are. I think Arceus, this is my point. Arceus is, is a, I will agree. I think uh, I was excited about Scarlet and Violet after playing Arceus and said basically the same thing of like, wow, this is a cool, rough draft. And then yep. they released a rougher draft. Let me just and, say this about Scarlet and Violet. There has never been a more critically panned main Pokemon game than Scarlet and Violet. I agree with you. The sales are through the roof, outrageously high. It does make me wonder whether the critical response will make them look a little more inward than they have previously and be like, we need to make this not the shoddiest project imaginable. And I think that that work would carry over to whatever a potential sequel of Arceus would be. I, 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 that's the dream, but I also think that this this franchise is a, such a revenue engine, uh, yeah, for, for Nintendo, that it, it, I, it, I find it pretty unlikely that they would slow their roll. What I would say is, COD bit. was that too, and COD eventually took time off between games because they realized they couldn't keep up. I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic that Arceus could do that. I am not optimistic that the main line will change really at all. Yeah, I, well, I, 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 I think I kind of think they both have to because they're both running on the same engine. All right. Well, we're we're anyway, this is well outside in the our weeds. purview today. Yeah. Sure, 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 sure. Uh, hey, guess what? Congratulations to a little game called Kirby and the Forgotten Land. Yeah. We'll see you next week. Hell yeah. Okay. Next up, what do we got, Justin? Uh, well, our next matchup is Mario plus Rabbids Warriors of Light. I just made that up. And You're Cult of the Lamb. What is Mario's versus Rabbids? Sparks of Hope. Sparks, Sparks of hope. hope. I yep. wasn't that far off. Was I just <laughs> guessing? Sparks have light. And yeah. if you're going to play this one, maybe think about sparking some dope to really, uh, because you'll love the jokes that these rabbits make when you're <laughs> like fucked up, faded. Um, who's talking yeah. about playing? It feels like maybe this one's you again. Well, no, I really like this game too. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah, fresh, got fresh got it. Please, Fresh. I want to hear you talk. Yeah, I'll do it. So, again, uh, just to, you know, we talked about this game probably two or three months ago, and I think we all went into it expecting a very uh, by-the-books sequel where you're more or less just adding new levels to, like, the framework that was established in the first game. What they went ahead and did was re-examine every single aspect that was introduced in the original Mario Plus Rabbids and think about ways that they could do it better. 
uh, you know, we've given a lot of praise to the idea that like movement in this game feels way more kinetic than it ever has in a turn-based game because you can move anywhere you want before you actually decide, okay, now I'm going to like take my action. It feels like you have direct control over these characters. You can attack guys before you even like take a main action. And it feels like you have a lot more control over your team, how you build them up, uh, how you, um, you can, you know, pair any uh, characters together uh, for the most part, there's some missions that lock that out. But for the most part, you have just tons of control. And I just found it like the most engaging turn-based strategy game I've played in totally recent memory, like the last 10 years. It is really quite good on that front. I think they really nailed the gameplay. What, whether the story lands for you is like another yeah. situation. <laughs> I think it's funny, but I don't think it's certainly anything it's to write posting. home about. It's it's a, it's a delight, but it doesn't really stick with you. That, I mean, that's that's my only problem with this game is I really, really, really enjoyed it while I was playing it. I was really impressed by it, and it just, I don't know, I, I, I just didn't feel a lot of motivation to keep going. It also feels like the game that's most likely for me to uh, finish during the holidays and then immediately regret everything I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, okay. your so, game of the year has changed 16 times throughout this year, so yeah. that no, is not No, that couldn't be me, no. <laughs> I think that that's good to be fluid, though, man. That's, yeah. You're passionate, you're that enthusiastic, I love it. I feel similarly, not really to that extent, but I very much enjoyed Call of the Lamb, our other uh, contender in this category. Uh, if you don't remember it, it was quite a, quite a, it was a great year for hybrids. Great year for hybrid genre hybrids. This was mm. a sort of um survival like uh don't starve esque mechanics mixed with a bit of sim because you're managing a cult that you're in charge of and also some like third person action roguelike light rogue rogue ish because you're making these runs into the forest and coming back with like resources and followers for your cult. Um, of cute little animals. Of cute little animals. It's very, it's doing a lot. It's like for a game that looks, um, uh, I don't know. It, it it's Hot Topic it, Animal Crossing. Yeah. And I okay. say that as a compliment. Yeah. It's, it doesn't for sound sure. like it. it um, <laughs> why no, why, why does everybody off? have to hate Hot Topic? You it's know, like goth, Sometimes you goth, just want a good uh, shirt. Animal Crossing. Um, and But it it's doing a lot. The, each run feels like very unique you get a lot of different upgrades as you're going through the runs and then it's got a very funny when you're managing your cult there are a lot of like quote-unquote moral decisions that you have to make about like <laughs> sacrificing people who disagree with you and making people eat feces and cannibalism etc 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 and marry you and marry you and it's all handled it's like um it's like obstinately amoral. Like it, it refuses to pass judgment on you, no matter what your choice is. Like a lot of games like this, it's sort of like, well, you could be the good kind of cult leader and the bad kind of cult leader. And we know which one you are. And this one is just sort of like, I don't know, <laughs> do whatever you want. You have to live with it. Uh, and they're all pretty not, bad. <laughs> yeah. They're all pretty bad. And we're not really passing judgment on you one way or the other, which I found uh pretty entertaining. Um, I, I really, I, I enjoy this game a lot. I think that, it is the sort of thing that would be, I could see you getting lost in like some of the mechanics and uh, losing track of others. Like finding that balance was not yeah. always easy for me. Um, Justin, would, yeah. why did you think the mood shifted on this game? Because I feel like 
there was like a couple weeks where it felt like this was like legit game of the year contender and not just me being an enthusiastic puppy. I mean, like a lot of people really liked this game there. When you look at real hybrids like this, and I'm talking Uh about even stuff as far back as like act razor. And what was the one that was like an asynchronous multiplayer? It was like an RTS where like some people are doing first person shooter savage, I guess it was like an RTS. Anyway, um, I think when you're doing stuff like this, it's really hard to if something becomes like really sticky, you kind of want to stay in it. And I uh-huh. think that for me, at least um, the uh, adventure parts, the action segments of this were st- stickier than the sim aspects of it. And, and I that's funny because I felt the opposite. That, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's I think that that's really interesting, but it also like. If it starts to feel like a portion of the game, no matter which portion it is, is something you're you're sort of struggling with. I think that that was the issue I ran into late was that it started to feel some of it started to feel like a chore to get to the stuff that I was enjoying mm. more. Yeah. Um, whereas like a Hades, you choose how m- you can do a lot of stuff in the in- uh, environment, but like you're cho- if you don't want to engage with it and you're just frustrated about your last run, you want to get out there uh, right away. Um, you know, you can just do that, but this is not really that. And I think that th- that reveals itself much deeper into the game. Um, and maybe that's why things turned, but super ambitious, super funny, uh, uh, really cool uh, art style, cool art style, very enjoyable. doesn't feel or look like really anything else. Let's dig it on that though. Do you think that there's a little bit of devolver fatigue? Cause it does. I mean, it doesn't look like anything else, but I, that was the other thing that, I, I I certainly am suffering from some of that, but I, this game didn't trigger it. For okay. Me. Um, okay. I yeah, think. and I, I even though I know that like Devolver has kind of a tone, um, which is they're the like publisher dark. of this game for for people who do not follow video game publishers, and, and they tend to do like I don't know nasty sweet at the same time. Yeah, nasty sweet is probably the closest comparison, but I you know like Death's Door I think went a slightly different way, although I guess that has dark tones. Um, yeah, maybe that's it. I don't know. I, I just think their games overall are very strong. And I think this one is certainly a very strong game. Um, I don't think it's the tone necessarily. I think it's, I think Justin's point is good, which is, I think one side or the other is going to click with you. And usually the only the greatest games can nail both. And it's very, very, very rare. Like, I literally, off the top of my head, can't think of one where I enjoyed both in equal. Yeah, like, I like the angel bits in ActRaiser better than the action bits by, like, a lot. Well, the action bits are terrible. Uh, So, (laughs) whichever of these games wins, we're going to have to play a little bit of this week to prep for next week. So, really, what I'm asking is, which one do you want to revisit? Cult of the Lamb for me. Yeah? Yeah, that's a clean clean kill for me, is Cult of the Lamb. Cool. I mean, same for me, so I'm cool with I'm that. fine with that. That's that's cool with me. Great. Cool. Great job. Oh, we got God, next? I just saw the next one. Oh, the next fuck. One yeah, we got sucks. a really brutal one coming up. <sighs> next one is Vampire Survivors versus Neon White. Oh, God, that hurts. That one stinks. I'll take that's Neon Diabol- White. Who came up with that? Is this... Did you do this plant, plant or is this did randomly it. seated? He did it. The gods no, must it, be crazy. <laughs> he, plant went ahead and tried to pick pairings that would like make for good conversation in the very first round and here we are and here we are yeah but i'm like yeah but would it have been good if either these games somehow lost you know like kirby that wouldn't have been fun (laughs) no he's right i i I think no 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 it is it's just a tough one it's a tough it's a toughie i'm gonna Um, take vampire survivors yeah 
well, vampire well, survivors. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, okay, you're, you're gonna. I, I thought you were. I thought you were casting your vote already. No, no, it's no. Like, I'm just geez. explaining what it is. Okay, okay people. Okay. I don't know. Did we ever do a Deep dedicated breath. episode on vampire survivors? I don't think we did. No, it's like one did. that was hanging out in the periphery. Yeah. So, vampire survivors is a top-down horde action shooter. Let's say um, it uses uh, 2D like retro pixelated graphics. And you play as one of like 30 fucking characters that you pick from uh, who is basically trying to survive against waves and waves and waves of uh, monsters, various uh, ghosts and goblins, and ironically, no vampires in the game. Very funny. Um, And where this game is interesting is that there's only one input for this game. It is your analog stick or your movement button. Uh, you don't have to press fire. In fact, you can't press fire. You just move around, and based on the items that you have and the weapons that you have equipped, uh, you will automatically attack. And the game eventually just becomes kind of a dodging survival game where you're facing off against, I mean, from a body count standpoint, I do not think there's any game that comes fucking close to Vampire Survivors. A 30-minute run, you will kill, no joke, 30,000 enemies in a 30 minute run. There's just no equivalent to that. Like Mozu games or whatever it is, it comes nowhere near it. Um, And it is a sight to behold uh, when your entire screen is filled with like total insanity and monsters. Uh, It is a game that lives and dies based on that simple mechanic and that loop. And I find it tremendously satisfying and such a brilliant idea coming from like such a relatively simple idea and, and immaculately balanced like the the idea that you are putting a build together essentially with each run yeah by trying to get you know six weapons that are strong and the six passives that will ideally allow you to evolve those weapons uh but not getting a guarantee of either of those things uh it it like there's a lot of versions of that where it doesn't work or you feel compelled constantly to restart runs because you get some trash item. Uh, but somehow this game doesn't do that because it feels like you always have like a chance. You always have some way of and they do some smart stuff with and I think these are fairly new changes like the ability to skip uh level ups or banish yep. different power ups uh from from the rotation to make it a little bit easier to f- source the ones that you want um that all, all all that stuff is so clever and i think would be really 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 hard to to pull off but they have I, really I, I would add to that they also do the progression systems pretty good cuz there's uh you know there are like things that you buy with the currency that you earn in the game that will make you better at various things, but also there are unlocks that you're constantly chasing, like, oh, survive this map with this character for 30 minutes, and you unlock this new character, and then that new character has a bunch of unlocks. You know, the the reason all of us have been pretty obsessed with Binding of Isaac for the last few months is because there's always, like, another carrot to chase, and that is definitely the case with uh, Vampire Survivors, where there's so many carrots. Yeah, I think it also made some choices outside of the game that benefited it a ton. It was really affordable. It kept getting um It launched updates. at three dollars. Yeah. I think it's five now. But like <laughs> Y'all, it's, holy it, shit. it came out on iOS last week and it's yeah. fucking free. Yeah. And it's the and, and it is supported by ads where Why don't you they want money. The only way that you see an ad is you can watch an ad if you've been alive for like 
10 minutes in a run, you can watch an ad for one additional revive, uh, which like once you get a certain you know point in the game, you will have tons of revives. So that hardly is like a necessary thing. Or you can boost the amount of gold you got on any given run. If you watch an ad, you'll get you, like an extra. So it helps you rather than just so it helps you. There, you don't, you, you can play this game for free completely without watching a single ad on iOS. And it works perfectly on iOS. Um, uh, it's, it's amazing. It, it is the sort of game that I wish I like, I wish we would do several episodes about so I can just talk about it in a way that would not be interesting to anyone. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, when you said that about revives, the thing I was going to say is, well, you know, it's interesting. I kind of feel like once you have to use a revive, you've probably set up a system of powers that probably aren't going to get you through much further than that because the power balance is shit. No one wants to hear that. Like, it's completely <laughs> uninteresting. But I would like very much to talk about Vampire Survivor's high-level play. Even once you're to the point where I, like – der rigueur will survive to the 30 minutes right yeah. but then there's like how you have to get 99 experience levels as a certain character to unlock this other thing um so it like layers another uh, uh god i'm layer on top of it what's amazing is that it's basically like really like started as one step above like a game jam idea like it's so close to its prototype idea that you can really see like Video games lives and dies based on the tiniest core of an idea, and then everything around that is just trappings. Well, and it, they the crush original that art was like just an art pack, right? That, that was yeah, I think it, yeah, and they've slowly been making it a little bit prettier, but it's still very consistent with the. Art I do design. wish it was nice to look at, but I also know that would be a tr- it, like that would be a trade off in in a uh, number of things on screen. Yeah, you can't have thirty thousand gorgeous polygons floating yeah. around. <laughs> uh, um, okay, here, well, here's my question about this game, though. And, and I'm not saying this is true, but it's a thing in the back of my head. Is this the kind of brain can, brain candy game of the year, like a threes or a Wordle or yes? But but one of those games that we love all year, and two years from now, basically no one's talking about it except for like the you know hundred extremely hardcore players who never stop. Oh, well, Doc, I, 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 now think... that it's on now that it's on my phone, I think I can pretty confidently say it is not ever going to leave my phone. I would also say that like even though I don't actively play threes every day, I think it had an enormous impact on video games and oh, Ditto yeah. for Wordle. Right. So like I don't yeah. think that whether people are still playing it or not is necessarily a sign of it not being a total sea change idea. It's kind of an amazing like it, it's amazing that some a lot of games will uh, crack an idea, but not follow through on like being a great, satisfying experience. I'm thinking of like your Assassin's Creed, right? Where it's like, mm. yeah, I see what y'all are going with this. It's not fun, but <laughs> you know, the first Assassin, not the the genre, the franchise, but like the first Assassin's Creed is like not a good game, but it is like you can see the idea here. Yeah. This is such a big idea, and it's one that you're seeing replicated a lot of places. I guarantee you, in the next two years, we will see like a big AAA game that like brings some of these mechanics in more. You're already seeing a lot of like yeah. spin-offs of this. I, yeah, I you're going to see have... an IP, like a major IP, exactly. like a Warcraft, do a version of this 100%. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. is the cool thing with these updates, though, right? You know, like this game has definitely been cloned already. There have been some that have been somewhat successful. But the original thing, it turns out, this designer really was a genius <laughs> like yeah. in, in terms wow. of not just creating well, I thought, the idea didn't but we evolving the idea survivor.io came out before 
No. This Survivor.io came out before on mobile, but it is def- it is a clone of Vampire Survivors. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so, I'm going to talk Neon White because I fucking love this game. Um, Neon White was, I think I was actually, did we do a full episode on Neon White? That was Orestes, I believe. Okay. Yeah. Um, it is it is maybe the most sort of exciting game that I played this year. If I were to sort of apply any kind of moment on, to on moment, or like for in in yeah, definitely in moment to moment. The, the way that this game condenses down platforming action is, I think, is is a revelation. Uh, and I, and I first person in first person, yeah, yeah. I I uh, uh, when I got into this game. It was in the middle of like a bunch of like gigantic games that were sucking up all of my time, like your Elden Rings and what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I tend to not love when I get into patterns like that, where I'm just playing these like huge time suck games. Uh, and so Neon White was about as disruptive to that process as is possible, where I played it for a week. And like platinumed it or whatever the Steam equivalent of platinum <laughs> is, uh, and the whole time was just like edge of my seat, white knuckle, like just it, just thrilled the whole time. Uh, it is, it feels great, looks cool. It has a presentation that is very sort of like um, Dangon Rumpa, like visual novel esque sort of thing with like dreamcast graphics for the in-game stuff yes with the dope dreamcast graphics which you know from um paradise killer you all know it's is a thing that some of us enjoy um (laughs) it is i i the the story is like kind of nonsense uh but i really i just really like the way that it is uh presented but for me it is just like chasing down that ace metal on mm. every single level trying to figure out like okay if i use the rocket to like do a rocket jump here and then i burn that card i can grapple up and find this shortcut it has a really really good way to i'm not like a, a first person shooter like uh expert i would say at all uh and i've always kind of struggled with movement in games like this but this game has a really clever way of when you get you know, a certain medal on a level. Like if you get the silver medal, it shows you a hint of yeah. how you can find a different route that can shave off some of your time. Um, once you get the gold medal, it's like there's a ghost that you can chase that will will show you that too. Uh, and so it just makes trying to knock down those like highest level achievements in the game uh, to- totally feasible, even for somebody who is not particularly well-versed in, in uh, first-person platforming. Um, I, I think that each level is like brilliantly designed, uh, and I just got so, so, so into speed running this thing and I can't, I, I say speed running, that's just the game. I can't wait to see what like actual speed runners do with it. Cause it's going to be like absolutely disgusting. Yeah. This game reminds me of what we were just talking about with cult of the lamb, because there, there are really two games in this. It's a visual novel mixed with the, you know, first person platforming thing, that uh, Griffin was just talking about. And once again, I think this is a situation where I was very excited to get back to the first person platforming. The visual novel stuff didn't do a whole lot for me. Um, It was fine. I didn't find it like bad, but it just wasn't as thrilling as the first person. Um, So yeah, that's sort of where I, I landed on it. 
Um, there is a lot to the visual novel set. Like there are gifts hidden in each level that you can yeah. find and give to other characters, and then yeah. You but can, then like, you have to watch more of the story, <laughs> or like sometimes it like unlocks like character exclusive levels that are themed to the characters. Yeah. So there's like Violet, I think, is the name of one of the characters in the game, and all yeah. of her levels are like these torture traps that you have to like figure out how to escape without discarding any cards. They each have their own kind of gimmicks to them. Um, I I I just I love this game. I think it is really 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 fun and I think it has like instilled in me an interest in this genre that just straight up did not exist before I played it. Yeah. Um I don't know how it stacks up to Vampire Survivors yeah, I, because it's I, I I love this game. It has my the thing that I love most when I play video games which is just movement and momentum yeah. where it, it's frictionless. Right, like Just Cause 2's um, whole ability to, you know, zip line and fly into the air with your parachute. Yeah. Favorite feeling in a video game. And this captures some version of, of that. Yeah. Um, but damn, I, I tried so hard to fall in love with the story. And I really wish I had made no effort because that I, I put more and more into it and it paid less and less. Um, and it really did you know, take away from the fun of the game itself. And there's so much of it. There's so much, so much talking. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is, you know, not to the quality of the game, but the bugginess at times infuriated me. The game crashed on the final stage for me a number of oh, times. No. I know, no. which is, which again, I'm just, I'm mentioning it not because I think we should dock it, but that I think that's skewing my, my well, opinion. that's a, your mileage may vary thing. Cause I didn't hit, I don't think I yeah, had a either. bug. Yeah. yeah, I uh, I will say I feel like um, I really liked Neon White a lot. I liked playing it. I think it was fun. Uh, for me, the struggle that I had with it was I found it really hard to uh, I found it really hard to move on from a level that I hadn't done the absolute best on. Yeah, and I would find myself kind of banging my head against a wall trying to get the you know the top marks in each level. Uh, and I didn't necessarily want to move on past that, uh, you know, until I had achieved that because it felt like that was the whole thing, right? Mm. Is to find the, the 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 quickest, cleanest path through, and that slowed my progression to a point where I kind of lost interest because I couldn't I couldn't stop just doing that. So I had to I I, I eventually stepped away from it, and that's why it didn't click as much for me um, because it it didn't feel as satisfying when I couldn't nail like that perfect perfect line. Yeah, finding. Uh, getting that perfect line and like nailing it was what kept me into it um because eventually i knew that it was within i've you know beaten fucking splunky too i can do this thing so i i kind of just stuck with it and then when you have that moment of endorphin rush by like finally getting the time you've been pushing for feels amazing and there's like a hundred of those levels uh, yeah. to go through. So or discovering uh, there were, I think maybe two levels that I just could not do. And so yeah. I like looked at YouTube to see like the way that other people did it and seeing like, well, actually if you jump up on this railing, you can discard your shotgun and just dash right up. Yeah. Uh, and seeing that and being like, ah, oh, fuck. Why didn't really I think creative. That? It's, it's uh, like, I don't know. I actually really like that in games when you can, can hop on game facts after school and, you know, or print off a, a, a walkthrough at the library. Like, I love that energy a lot. And uh, this, this game had me doing that some. Griffin, um, you mentioned the, the gifts. I just want to dig into that. 
I usually don't like collectibles in games. I don't like things like Uncharted where you have to find the treasure, but it breaks the entire flow of the game. They put the collectible there because they made this beautiful world and they want you to see every inch of it. But it also feels like antithetical to the whole point of an action game where you're moving forward. But the gifts in this game, you you basically decide, oh, I'm doing a gift run. You're not trying to get a, a score. So basically you go into that stage to explore the stage just to mm -hmm. like see the geometry and, th and that is the whole point and that's what you're rewarded for and, and that just felt like such a clever idea with collectibles of hey we want you to see these gorgeous environments let's that is just the point yeah that, that is the reward um i am i am i'm genuinely torn i think for me it's neon white uh i do love vampire survivors i honestly guys i've played more vampire survivors on my phone over the last five days that I think I did on my Steam Deck or anything like that, but I didn't play a ton of it on on PC before then. But for me, Neon White, like, just in terms of a pure sort of emotional payload, the uh, the the joy that this game made me feel was uh, virtually unparalleled this year. I think it's Survivors for me. Uh, I, I just think that core loop is pretty profoundly perfect and uh yeah i mean i again i think they basically invented a genre in in ways neon white did too but i think in this case uh it just feels like something completely new and special and you know i just couldn't put it down yeah vampire survivors man yeah i mean honestly i'm i i i would go one way or the other and basically if i abstain it's vampires survivors but I, I do like Neon White a lot. Just... I just feel like Neon White is very cool. I feel like if you were to average out our feelings about the game, there would be more excitement for Vampire Survivors. That is my personal take listening to the discussion here and how long we talked about one versus the other. Um, but I, you know, if you all, if, if if there was a super strong Neon White, I it, Griff, even Griff's on the fence. Um, I, yeah, yeah, I, th I, th I think it's Vampire Survivors. But hey, just a reminder... 16 killer games this year. Yeah, sure. Like, hey. Neon White could have been a winner in a different besties year. I think so, too. I also think that Vampire Survivors is a more foundational game. Like, I agree with that. So I think that that is a good reason to move it forward. Text. Mm. Okay, one more. One mm. more between before the half. One more before the half. Tunic versus Ew. Stray. No matter which five letters you choose. <laughs> you are going to have a winner in this category. Can I be your hype man? Can I just be like, uh-huh, uh-huh? <laughs> where, where are you going? Okay, uh, go Tunic, just a quick reminder, uh, a top-down um, exp exploration RPG in the style of Legend of Zelda um, where you play as an adorable little fox and you run through a 3D polygonal world uh, solving puzzles, finding treasure, and uh, beating bosses. The hook being that very little is explained to you in Tunic at the outset, um, you're basically finding pages uh, as you explore that fill out the instruction book for Tunic, which is not written in English for the most part. Um, so you're using the pages that you find to sort of suss out clues within the environment in this weird metagame experience where you're just like paying attention to every tiny little detail within the world and the game. Um, I've, I said it before when we talked about it. I 
actually kept a notebook for Tunic. I never, ever do this, like extremely rare. I did it a little bit for Elden Ring, but kind of forgot to do it a lot. For Tunic, I did it all the time. And piecing together Tunic without like looking up guides online or anything like that was the most satisfying experience of the year for me. Uh, I felt so amazing when I, I put it all together. And the fact that the game had everything in it for you to put it all together, uh, you know, it requires a fair bit of patience to get into, but I think it is incredibly well designed at, from a like just a puzzle standpoint, but also visually like a gorgeous, gorgeous game. Um, so uh, special to me. And uh, yeah, I really want everyone to have the same experience because it is it is really pretty outstanding. Wait, that I, man, I just want to just like I just want to say Tunic is freaking great. Yep. Like I adore Tunic. The uh, the the most profound experience for me in Tunic, the, and the question I kept bumping into, the limits of the like, the main challenge for me in Tunic was not thinking that a person would do what it is like to think no way, like no way would it be this like wild, convoluted, um, it, you know, almost hidden like barely there little sliver of light there's no way but every single line every mm -hmm. polygon every splash of light every everything is like intentional it's so intentional and you can feel the hand of the person making this in like every single screen of this game is so deliberate because it has to be because the clues to actually like unlocking it are so vague and thinly veiled. There can't be any room con for confusion and, and there's not, it's, um, it's stunning. I wish I could forget it and play it again. Yeah. Um, I feel the, the same way I do about this as I do about like Obra Den, right? Where like, I just wish I could, uh, could erase it and, and watch the whole thing one more time. Yeah. Playing this game, uh, one real quick thing, like replaying this game, like doing like a new game plus, the second you start the game, your mind is like flush. It's like being in the matrix and having, you know, all those, the guns and karate training downloaded to you because your mind is now flush with like the 60 things that you learned the first time you went through the game. So you can just demolish every enemy that you face because you know all these little secret like combo wep uh, weapon combos and, oh, I know there's a hidden path there so I could sprint right to this exit. It is amazing and all that stuff was in the game the first time you go through it you just do not know to look for it uh outer wilds is another uh kind of uh touch point for me um for this i i love that it it does the classic nostalgia play but gets that what we loved about games back in like the late 80s early 90s was as much about what our our experience our very specific experience around the game and not just the game itself. And by that, mm. I mean importing the, these sorts of games back in the day. I imported a lot of, well, not a lot, <laughs> like two a year at most, of, of this sort of game, uh, beginning with the, the SNES. And when you imported these games and you didn't speak Japanese, it felt like this. It felt like there was this extra puzzle layer of, well, how do I even play the game? And then based off of what I learn while I play it, can I figure out kind of what some of these words are, or cues are in the instruction manual? And you end up turning that into a secondary game. And the idea that you could then just re recreate that experience for, I mean, I imagine most people who play Tunic did not have that 
experience. It is a very specific type of way of playing a video game. I think that's really cool and special. Stray? You're a cat. I mean, I can do Stray. I have strong feelings about Stray. Please. Okay. Stray, you're a cat. Uh, That's certainly the thing that everyone remembers. Uh, Stray, uh, basically, you're a cat that is lost from your uh, brood of other cats, and you find yourself in this underground society of robots who are, uh, you know, have various uh, priorities and trying to, uh, but you're also trying to basically reunite with your fellow cats. Um, the the strong feelings I have about this game, one, it's gorgeous, like aesthetically just beautiful to look at. Um, I think the art design is like really top notch. I uh, love the city designs. The cat itself is very, very cute. And, uh, f- and I just loved it. I also loved the first two hours of this game more than many games on this list. I think this game opens up incredibly strongly because all you do is run around as a cat and you jump up on rails and you kind of paw at carpets and you do cat stuff, but you're also solving like physics-based puzzles, kind of like Limbo. Um, For me, and again, I don't want to like yuck anyone's yum if this was your kind of game, but for me, the game takes a pretty drastic left turn once you start interacting with the robot characters because it turns really into like a more traditional talk to various people who have needs in an advent, invent, uh, like an adventure game format. And you're constantly like, oh, I need this item to com- motivate this quest forward. Um, and that part of it didn't really click with me a whole lot. Um, and I just don't think the game ever manages to reach the high the heights of those first two hours where you're really just a cat, uh, which was disappointing to me. I just that's what I wanted, uh, and I thought that they were on the path to do that, and then it kind of just became something that was not as interesting to me. Well, I mean, yeah, I love Tunic. For me, this is like such a I and I didn't like Stray. <laughs> I don't know how. Yeah, else to I mean, it's, I, it's oh, I'm struggling with like this is the this is the this is the uh, the other edge of having reader nominations like some of them just didn't resonate with with us for whatever reason i think stray falls into that category yeah uh, I, I also get why people love stray it's, it's a solid b level game i i think the the where it struggles here is it's going up against games that aren't flawless but like feel way more intentional and like thought out and there are entire chunks of this game where i i just expected more or something more interesting or something richer whether that is the action pieces which i don't think work at all and i think complicate like complicate a game that felt more inviting to people who don't have to have reflexes for video games to the dialogue being a a bit repetitive hey listen we don't need to tear down yeah yeah no 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 you're 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 this is about to i I just wanted to give some fantastic i also hit so many bugs like this, this was one of the bug year games. I think I. Uh, but hey, hey, hey! This, this isn't year, about. But, hey, this, this isn't about stray. This isn't about stray. This is about the fact that we need money to pay our bills. Okay, that's what this is about. Congratulations, Tunic. Uh, we're gonna take a break. Then we're gonna come back. And God, man, woof! This list. <laughs> okay, we'll be right back. This episode of The Best of These is sponsored by Aura Frames. All right, so 
you know there are a number of people in your life that are not necessarily the most technologically savvy. I'm sure immediately names jump to your mind. Those are the sorts of people that you would say, oh, maybe they would want a digital picture room in their house, but they wouldn't necessarily be able to like set it up and get it working and add new pictures and stuff like that. That is where Aura Frames comes in. It's a digital picture frame that allows you to basically upload any photos that you have directly to the frame. You don't need them to do any work. In fact, you could even set it all up before they even open the box. You have the account set up. You just have to connect it to their Wi-Fi. And once that's done, everything happens over the internet. So you can add new photos, you can do whatever you want, and it all works completely smoothly. I set it up for my grandmother, who's 95 years old. I set it up for my mom, who's 70 years old. And they both love their Aura frames and they love seeing the pictures and new photos of the family all being added without them having to do anything. So I'd highly recommend it. I'm really, really happy with it. And right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code BESTIES. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code BESTIES. Terms and conditions apply. Y'all, you already know how much I love our sponsor of the week, Rocket Money. They make it so easy to get your personal finances on track, especially stop worrying about all these subscriptions that you have that you don't necessarily need. Keep the ones you want, get rid of the rest. Here's how it works. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. That might sound too good to be true. I have tried it myself on multiple different monthly payments I have and it's worked, which is incredible and so much easier than getting on the phone with all these companies and trying to wrangle this yourself. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. So cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash besties. That's rocketmoney.com slash besties. Rocketmoney.com slash besties. Uh, our next matchup, God of War Ragnarok versus Horizon Forbidden West. Uh, not just in in similar in terms of like mechanics, but like the arc of these, right? Like about mm-hmm. it's the the hotly anticipated sequel to a big splashy Sony exclusive. Uh, action from the from the same RPG. era, basically, like PS launch on era, PS4. And just more proof that these things are not just Pac Man anymore. Yeah. The graphics Both made on- by the same single designer, which is <laughs> Jeff Minter had a killer year, guys, and I think we need to acknowledge <laughs> David, David Jaffe's back in a big way, baby. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Who's gonna do God of War Ragnarok? Oh, I feel like I, we all got pretty into it. I, as a set, I I have strong. I talked about it with Russ several times, even since we've done the episode. Uh, I love the first God of War Ragnarok, um, and I, I <laughs> the first love God of it, War. 
I love the first God of War. There Thank you. you. Uh, I love what it what it did with the character. I love that idea of like revisiting a character's history. Um, I think that uh, Ragnarok moves on to an interesting but more uh, traditional big question of parenting and this idea of like uh, destiny and fate versus what you uh, want to happen and, and, le- and letting hard, your kid kind of go, basically. Yeah, and how hard a parent needs to hold on yeah. uh, to to a child, like, finding that balance, which it's interesting to watch Kratos, who has, like, trained his son uh, to survive, you know, more than more than I would say most parents, <laughs> has, <laughs> has given his kid the tools to, uh, to survive, but is still struggling with that same sort of elemental parental question. Yeah. Um, and obviously, like, the, the gameplay stuff is all more right there's more side quests there's a new spear weapon that is uh really cool that lets you like hit enemies with a spear and then explode them and there's a bunch of like runic abilities i would say even the gear is better it feels less like weirdly incremental than mm-hmm. the 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 others it feels more like choosing a loadout that that uh supplements your play style well um but i i you know i, I love this sort of game like triple a Single player action adventures is is my favorite sort of like genre. And for whatever reason, I am still trying to make my way through this one and I'll get going for a couple days. And then it just kind of like, it just does not gel for me to the same extent that the last one did. Yeah. So the, and I think this has been mentioned a lot in reviews and I think I mentioned it as well when we first talked about it. I think the, the big reason that you're running into that juice it's just a pacing issue. Like, I yeah. just think the game is not very well paced. I think there are sections of the game that are 100% better than what was in the original God of War. Uh, the dragon crater section is, like, probably the best environment ever for a God of War game. The frozen uh, lake area yes. is exceptionally good. But those are all sections that are, primar- although they have story elements to them, like you're learning things and there's dialogue and back and forth and whatever, they are primi- primarily gameplay sections and they have some puzzles and they have a lot of combat and you're, but all of it is like the player is in control. I'm, there's never a moment in those areas where it's like, I'm going to slow mo- walk my way around this corner and have some back and forth dialogue because the story needs to progress. And the game bounces back and forth between these two modes where it's like, okay, full on gameplay, etc., And, oh, this is now a narrative thing. And I really wish that those would have been fused in a smoother way because the moments that you're getting hung up on juice are the pure narrative moments. And frequently they are slow walking through a corridor or slowly climbing up a hill. And it just doesn't uh, maintain the level of uh, enthusiasm for me uh, in those areas that the, the core gameplay does. Uh, but Richard fucking Schiff, though. Yeah, Still but Richard the best. Schiff. Yeah, he's good. Uh, I, I, I don't know how much... I guess we're saving spoilers until until uh, round two. Because so, there's some spo- like very, very late game spoiler stuff I did want to talk about, but we'll save it, I guess, if you th- uh, Oh, you think it's going to make it to round two? It might. I don't know. We're going to see. Uh, boy, howdy. Poor Horizon Forbidden West. We talked about it with Ron last week, but... This franchise can't catch a break. With, it, well, it's just two in a row, right? Competition. Yeah, I mean, it's both of the games that are in the franchise came out at the same time as gigantic 
beloved, revered open world titles that just completely ate its lunch. Uh, and that happened to to Forbidden West. Did did any of you... I, I didn't go back and play any more Forbidden West after we finished it on the Besties, but my... Uh, I, I feel like I got what I wanted out of what I played of that game, which is fighting huge, gorgeous robot dinosaurs in super fun ways, uh, uh, all the way until you had to go and talk to a million people in some sort of outpost. Like, all that stuff I thought was pretty good. Yeah, yeah I mean, I I, play, I probably put in uh, fucking 25 hours into Horizon Forbidden West. I didn't finish it, but I, I uh, you know, got pretty close. And... I do, again, I think the core gameplay here is strong. And even the narrative stuff, like I found myself like pretty engaged with the narrative. It just feels like uh, a um, kind of an evolution uh, of the, of another era of games, of of sort of what was built up with Assassin's Creed and open world games. And it feels like an evolution of that, but it doesn't feel wholly new to me. And it doesn't necessarily feel that standouty to me in the way that um even God of War Ragnarok I think has moments where it like really steps ahead of where things were previously this feels uh I think more of an iteration of the Horizon model and it's definitely better than the first game I think it is but it doesn't oh, for feel sure. like it stands uh necessarily like it's breaking tremendously new ground I would say I will say genre. and this is this is usually for me personally and I think I speak for the podcast in general we sort of gloss over this but uh presentation wise I think it stands pretty head and shoulders above anything else that came out this year it is uh, it is I, I think it's the most like jaw-droppingly beautiful open world game that maybe that maybe exists that's funny yeah i don't i don't necessarily i don't think it's a bad looking game at all i think it is extremely pretty but uh, there are a few games on our list that i i think probably edge it out including god of war ragnarok i think has moments that are uh more stunning visually I, speaking I, I i know i know what you mean though griffin in terms of its like scope and its vistas versus god of war ragnarok in terms of uh, its open worldness i felt like this game figured out what horizon should be <laughs> which i i don't even know i i liked the first horizon and i don't know if it even really figured it out but for me it's the vegas stuff of realizing like hey you know what it's actually just fun to see the old world through the eyes of this character mm -hmm. and through the eyes of the ai lens right and all of that stuff and seeing that the dlc is hollywood basically that gives me the sense that oh they 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 get it now that, you know, we don't need to be subtle about this being, you know, past Earth. That there's something fun uh, in any apocalypse story about going back to that, right? It's the end of Planet of the Apes. Um, what? So <laughs> sorry. Oh, sorry. Did I ruin it for um, you? I will say for developers of both of these games and anybody else who might be making a big, epic, sort of uh, single-player action game, stop making me climb shit. Don't want to climb anymore. Don't want to climb no more. Or, yeah, or, but, or make it like free climbing. Yeah, right? like, like Breath of the Wild climbing, I'm cool with. I want more of that. If you're making it part of a video game, that's fine. Just don't make it like a shitty movie you have to watch every fight. <laughs> okay, right. yeah, sure. Yo, so like Spider-Man see... climbing is fine. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'll climb all day. Run did you see the trailer for the movie that is kind of doing a Horizon 
thing in 65. Did you see this? What a, oh my gosh, what a brilliant trailer. So the movie is called 65, right? Trust me, you, you will care about this. And it stars, <laughs> it stars uh, Adam Driver, right? And he's a futuristic space dude. And he crash lands on a planet that looks a lot like ours, right? Right? Yes. Cool. And, and then twist dinosaurs. There are dinosaurs yes. there. And and you, you're, you're, you're smart, right? You're thinking like, oh, I know what this is. They're playing with Planet of the Apes at the end of the movie. We're going to find out this was Earth all along. The trailer doesn't have patience for you. The trailer, in giant words, says 65 million years ago. Uh, what? It just says it right from the top. And they're like, yeah, this is just a movie about like a space dude fighting dinosaurs on our planet forming <laughs> civilization. Yeah. Just... Great. What a great premise. I okay, just to I come back wait. to Horizon. Good segue. Yo, I'm watching this trailer now. Can this be our game of the year? <laughs> <laughs> Adam Driver looks so strong. He looks so good. I just want to say, uh-huh. I think there are... Do you have anything more to say about the trailer, Griffin? Of <laughs> 65, our game <laughs> of the year. so <laughs> strong. He's going to fuck up so many velociraptors <laughs> in this movie. I'm going to watch it. Well, he has a good better profile. bone structure than most dinosaurs. What if the end had been like... 65 and then a big racer comes down and then it's it says dino crisis it replaces <laughs> oh, it with dino shit God. anyway i just want to say um, i think for uh, for forbidden west has uh very good side quests in like the writing and the side quests is actually quite strong with uh surprising twists and good characters i think the voice acting is in general quite good in this game considering how many characters there are uh, again, a similarity with God of War, where I thought the side quests were the strongest parts of the game, which is somewhat predictable because it's a lot easier to tell an hour to two hour long story than it is a 40 hour story. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, that was just something that stood out to me. As I think both have pace, pacing, like very similar pacing issues uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. where like I just kind of want to get back to fighting shit and finding like treasures in the open yeah, world. Yeah, there there is a lot of linear uh like slow walking stuff in in both games, you're right. I I will say this also and the uh I think that our reaction to both of these games can also be derived from and this is I, I think doubly true for uh Plant and Rust. We have to like keep playing the next thing for this podcast we do and for Rust and Plant for their careers. Um so like Games that are sort of expansive in this way um, may not click as much with with us. You know what I mean? Where where if you are saying like I'm going to be devoting a certain chunk of time to a game, these the both Horizon and God of War, I think, are really good at offering you like tons of uh, different stuff to explore and experience and and things like that. Uh, I think that we probably are a little bit more biased on this show towards condensed experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I mean, except but for Elden Ring, which yeah, well, I think I think the bigger I think the bigger thing is is it respecting my time? Exactly. Some people don't yeah. want a game to respect their time. They they want it to fill up as many hours as possible. Yeah. And I think these games are designed in some ways for that sort of person. Yeah. Um, and I I I like both of these games. I, I I end up liking Horizon more than I thought I would after going back. Um, but yeah, I, it, it's hard for me when when I know exactly how many hours I have in a week, uh, and I realize oh God of War is just going to eat full weeks. Yeah, 
nah, it, it, it's it's hard unless it, I really feel like it's going to be worth it. But I still, said, I still lean towards God of War. Though. Yeah, I, I would too. I think I would too. Neither of these cracks probably my top five, but God of War does have Richard Schiff in it. <laughs> it does. That's mm. true. Too true. I didn't play enough of Horizon Forbidden West. He may show up as like a little goblin guy, like a little, or maybe he like is the voice dino. of all the dinosaurs. You just didn't. Yeah, know. that are. <laughs> uh, this next round looks fun. No, Hold on, have... I want to do another Richard Schiff as a dinosaur. I'll probably never get an opportunity. Yeah, go Hold ahead. On. Okay. Uh, uh, roar. <laughs> yeah. So we got Citizen Sleeper versus Case of the Golden Idol. Uh, I I plant. You'll be happy to hear I played Citizen Sleeper over the weekend nice. because you have been recommending it to me nonstop, and uh, I'm glad you did because that's a good game. That makes me happy. I you want to explain what it is? Well, can I talk about what both these games are really quick? Sure. Which yeah. they are games Easy. that don't require expert level programming to make, when I think that's kind of incredible. Citizen Sleeper is a largely story heavy game. Uh, set on a space station, I assume in the distant future, unless it was 65 million years ago. And uh, you are a effectively like a, a bot that has somebody else's soul uh, uploaded into you. And you are on the run. And you are trying to decide, like, am I going to make this space station my home? Uh, am I going to help people? Am I going to fend for myself? And the way you do all this is by rolling dice, which give you points to spend, or kind of like r risks, I guess, uh, to make your story choices. And that's, that's it. That, that's the game. It is rolling dice, saying like, hey, I have a six. That means I'm likely to pass a test. I'll use that on something that's really important to me. Hey, I have a one. I'll use it on something less important to me, or I'll use it to buy some data that I can use in other ways later in the game. And that's that's the that's the game. Uh, I finished Citizen Sleeper this morning before oh, we wow. started. Oh, yeah. uh, and it's fantastic. I really, really love how long did it take you? Can I can I ask? Just so I know uh, where I'm at. Yeah. If I had to guess, I'd say eight hours. Okay. Like and it could have taken longer. Um one of the fascinating things about this game is it kind of have like has like uh, you're on this space station and the game sort of has like narrative off ramps where it's like I don't yeah. know maybe it ends here and you know you can you can do that if you want you can end it here if you want like this could be your ending that you go with I really like story in games but it has to be balanced by mechanics that mm -hmm. support it and I feel like this does a really great job of giving you exactly enough mechanics to stay engaged with it. And and it really, these mechanics support the narrative. So when you wake up one day and you haven't uh, had enough to eat and you don't have the energy and it's starting to take a toll on your body and your body's broken down because you, uh, you haven't repaired it. And so when your body is taking damage like this, you don't have as many dice. And so like it feels desperate. You feel like you're willing to do something desperate to get the energy back you need to, uh, play at, at, a, at a more complete level and be able to do more stuff in each cycle. Um, you feel the station also feels very alive because things are happening on clocks, which is interesting because we've been playing uh, Blades in the Dark on the Adventure Zone, and and there's uh, a strong similarity here of this idea of like clocks that are counting down without your input or affecting mm -hmm. them. Um, and uh, it is, I, I don't know, it's and, and the things that I don't want to get into the narrative stuff too much because it's like not interesting to hear somebody talk about, but 
it it deals with so many questions that I'm fascinated by. If things of like what it means to be a person and making sort of like moral choices that are actually like kind of complex and interesting, um, deciding who you're going to side with and how you're going to live and uh, how you're going to spend your time. You know, there's more to do in this world than you will have time to do. Um, and that's, that's cool. It, it frees you from trying to like min max. Um, I don't know. I just thought it was really wonderfully written. You know what it reminds me? A, a good comparison is, um, uh, Disco Elysium, mm. if it less nihilistic and more humanistic. Yes. Um, th- that, that's the big thing is this game is just astonishingly well balanced because you're right. It, it, it feels dire so often and it feels like at any minute you are going to run out of energy and you're going to die that you know you have to spend a few more points just to have effectively the health or food to to stay alive or to pay off a debt of somebody who's coming to you know try to kill you a hitman yeah um and yet the game's always kind of watching out for you like yeah. I, I it, it doesn't want you to fail and you know you make these really big choices and it i i at first I had this real anxiety of shit, I'm making some terrible choices and I feel like I'm being pushed, you know, just to survive. I'm, I'm having to make hard choices and I don't really like myself in this game. And yet there is always a sense of understanding in the game. It doesn't shame you. Mm-hmm. It, it, it just kind of keeps moving on. It's like, yeah, you're, you're doing your best. And the characters seem, somebody always recognizes that, you know, and, there will be people who are mad at you, but there's somebody always who saw why you made your choice and they treat you with like a sense of decency and, that I, 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 I honestly can't think of another video game story like that. And, and fascinatingly, the progression, like as you gain experience, you can use it to increase your skills, which sounds very mechanical and it is, but you know, you can become a better engineer or better at, you know, engaging with people or whatever. Uh, having better resources and more food and more energy and all that stuff, having better resources and better skills enables you to be more altruistic. Mm-hmm. You know, like at, early on, you have nothing to offer. And so you're put in a lot of like situations where you're doing unpleasant things just to get by. Um, and as you get more powerful, if you will, you can be – you have the ability. It's sort of like instructive on privilege and stuff like that because you have the ability to be more open-hearted. And it's really fascinating watching how people who are in an ostensibly hopeless scenario find ways to move forward. And that's sort of the the connective tissue for all the the stories in it. I It's just magnificent. It's great. Um, I'll do – can I talk about Case of the Golden Isle? Please. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I feel like this – has scratched the Obra Dinn itch for me in a way that nothing since Obra Dinn has. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And we've we've talked about that before, but uh, mystery games that are sort of all about uh, arranging the, you know, galaxy of clues that you have available to you at any given time is always so, so, so much more satisfying to me than, well, I have to use this key on this lock. I have to put this bust of the king on this pillar. Um, and it's it's astonishing to me that there aren't more games like it, especially after Oberdin came and, and sort of, uh, you know, won everybody over in the way that it did. Case of the Golden Idol, I think, sets itself apart in that it is... Um, well, it, it it is structured completely differently. It is a series of, I want to say like maybe a dozen 
different cases and the the length of each sort of mystery is wildly different. Um, basically, you go through each case collecting the words, which are essentially the clues uh, of each murder that has taken place. Uh, and then it is up to you to kind of like put those words in the correct order, in the correct sentences to sort of elucidate what is going on. And while that may sound like a pretty simple process, uh, the the murders that are in this game are pretty convoluted, I will say. And, <laughs> and, and, and occasionally le leaning on sort of supernatural elements that yeah. you also, like half of the game it's not like find the bloody knife. It is like, how does the reversal of entropy affect? Like, there's <laughs> it really wants you to learn the in world rules of how 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 like stuff works in in case of the Golden Idol. They, um, they I would also add they like intentionally misdirect or at least like move away. Like, there's the obvious answer in a lot of cases, and then there's two or three levels beyond that which you yeah. can then only glean once you've like really looked at every little tiny piece of uh, evidence. Mm -hmm. um, and having that like layered mystery makes it feel, you know, like a glass onion or like a, a knives out kind of thing. Yeah. Because um, it's constantly kind of surprising you with, oh, wow, I thought for sure it was X, but it's actually Y. I just, I just need you all to just take a, a real deep hit of, of whatever you have on hand. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. yeah. So in most video games, you're the person and the computer's the computer, right? Like yeah. it's if then statements. So if you do this, if you fire a gun at a character and you hit him in the head, then the character in the game, it's going to die. The com you, 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 you give it, you, you provide into the video game, and then the computer reacts, right? It responds. But in Golden Idol, it's the opposite. It gives you the if statements. If this person was in this room, if this person owned a pair of scissors with a little blood on it, if all this happened, and then your brain is the computer wow, that puts it all together. Hell yeah, man. Mm. Do you ever think about that? That does sound very fancy, but it's also like when the True. game- yeah, but if a game tells you you're low on health and then your brain tells you no, to take a health no, pack. No, 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 no. what Plant said was very erudite. It did sound erudite. I'll give him that. Thank you. Thank you. I think that the way that this game has you interact with its mysteries is really cool and a really clever way, just in the same way that Oberdin had you filling out a journal uh, and and having to like use every single stitch of information available to you in the environment, uh, I, th I think this game has a a similarly clever way of solving mysteries. And then the mysteries that it provides to you are 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 really clever as well. Yeah. I do think that maybe the comparisons to Oberdin aren't uh, particularly favorable to Case of the Golden Idol because I also think that everything that Case of the Golden Idol does. Like, I, I think maybe Oberdin did a bit better. Like, just exploring these 3D environments and, like, listening for clues. Like, there's a lot more... There are a lot more ways to glean information in, in that game that made the mysteries, like, feel way more rewarding whenever you solve them. Um, but that yeah, the said... Only, I, I was going to say, just on that point, the only thing that, like, I found to be the slowest part of um, Oberdin was the reviewing scenes that I'd seen 
30 times over just like desperately looking for a clue whereas here everything is really in front of you like you cannot miss they even highlight i mean it's an option to turn this off but like evidence that you have not seen yet will be glowing in yellow so you can't miss it and then at that point it really is just on you to like piece it all together so that Um, is one area that i think case of golden idol is better at I I I said this about Obert and I will say it about Casey the Golden Idol. I would play a new one of these every month. If yeah. they if if I if they charged me a subscription and they added a new case every every month, I would fucking do it cuz I think that this is a like dramatically underserved genre that uh like as unbelievable as it is that you know mystery could be this genre that I feel like we are on the like cutting edge of. I feel like developers are are figuring out more and more really, really clever and engrossing ways of having you interact with with mysteries. Uh, and and I just uh, it, I, I loved it. It's also cool that both of these games could absolutely have come out twenty years ago. Like yes. the, these these exact games. Well, I mean, and pen and paper exactly the same. Like gold gold idol is very close to a pen and paper game it is i think they both wild. are in a lot of ways I mean, yeah no, i i agree they're vi- the bo- but especially golden idol and that's what i mean when there's when when i was teaching at nyu there there's a courses i mean this there is any game hey come on come on <laughs> when, when, there there are courses that they have for like entry students where it's like just make a game on pen and paper and every time I saw that, I was like, that's not how games work. You can't do a kickflip on pen and paper. You know, <laughs> like, it's not going to be fun. And I was wrong. I love that people are coming up with inventive ways to make games without being, you know, the world's, you know, top level programmer. Just a really good, clean idea with good yeah. narrative, good art design. I love it. I will say that the I have a very special place in my heart for the, like, Lucasfilm Adventures style graphics mm. that Golden Idol brings to the table with like a layer of grotesqueness on top of <laughs> it. Like this game, when you talk about this game coming out 20 years ago, I mean, fucking Loom came out like 30 years ago. It basically <laughs> looks exactly like this. Uh, so there, there's a there's definitely a huge nostalgia play happening here for, for uh, me and it works. Okay, um, should we vote? This is, a, this is a really, really hard one. This is a really, really hard one because I think Citizen Sleeper is brilliantly written and is very very engrossing in that way but i think i enjoyed case of the golden idol a little bit more Ooh, i think we're running into our first tie I'm, I'm citizen sleeper I, I i think justin probably is yeah. justin yeah, you I'm are citizen sleeper uh, and i love golden idol i mean this is a really hard one okay yeah, so i didn't talk a lot about citizen sleeper the I struggled with it. I liked the gameplay, the dice mechanics I thought were really good. I struggled to get into the writing of it, the writing style specifically. Um, it reminded me of those like middle chapters of a Neil Stevenson book where he like <laughs> goes off. And uh, it just, it was, I mean, my ADD was like, and we're going to talk about it in a second because there's another game on this list where my ADD was like really oh, struggling. No. Um, so Marvel I'm going to defer and... I will let you guys vote, even though I adored Case the Golden Idol. Uh, I'm, I'm, I, this is a case where it seems like Citizen Sleeper has the numbers, and I am totally also fine with that because I think that that game uh, has some of the best writing. I, I also feel like Griff, if you return to it this week and go deeper, yeah, it, it, you will, you will come away feeling because I, I was sort of, 
uh, in, in a similar boat a couple hours in, and I'm really well. That was me. I think Griffin was more on. Uh, that was I was. I'm on board. With. Yeah, I've I've played a few hours and uh, am am pretty bought into Citizen yeah. Sleeper all day. Yeah, I think it it'll be good for perfect. next week too. I mean, part of this is like what's going to make good conversation. You know? Yeah. yeah. I, I I think I think us revisiting it and talking about it more next week will be great. Before we close the door, real quick on Case of the Golden Idol. Great multiplayer game. I played this with my wife. Oh, yeah. And like oh, fun, yeah. super fun to like piece everything together. She is so much better at solving these games than me. And yeah. it, but it was really fun to like play it with someone else and piece it together. Oh, man. I'm so ready for the next one. This one's going to be. You better be, man. Uh, uh, Pentiment versus immortality. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, plant, describe Pentiment real quick. Okay. It's book level boring. Hey. <laughs> No matter who wins this one, some nerds are going home sad, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, book level boring, book level beautiful. It is a game about... <laughs> <laughs> I'm so thrilled. If, I'm no, if I achieve nothing else, the fact that I got another person on Earth to say, describe a game as books level boring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, you're, you're, you're an illumination artist and you are working at a scriptorium, you know, the typical video game stuff. Yeah. And, um, now and, Chris, if you, did you uh-huh. redeem enough, uh, UPCs from uh, Mountain Dew to, uh, get the bonus illuminations <laughs> with the holograms? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, the, it, the, the snail illumination you only get after you drink enough surge. Um, <laughs> it, it is. Uh, well, the game itself. Can we talk about like what the first hook is? I feel like I think should... we have to because people that don't know that there is an actual hook will just bounce off immediately. It's so early in the game comparatively, but there's Not that early. <laughs> there's a yeah, there's a murder, and you um kind of become the central detective of that murder, and you have to talk with everybody in town and everybody at the church uh, and figure out figure out basically who who did it. And that's the first third of the game. And then it goes in, in some different directions, which we can figure out if we want to talk about in, in a little bit. What do I like about this game? It is a game about religion. And you could say it's like extremely Catholic or Protestant or religious or heretical or mystical. And depending on how you played it and what you brought to the game, you would be right. It could be any of those. Um, it it somehow reserves judgment but also, I don't know, it leaves enough gaps in there that you can kind of fill it in with your opinion. So if you are going in and you really, really dislike the church, there is definitely a way to read the game that way. If you go in and you're like, wow, I can't believe this is the first game that seems to really understand the beauty of faith, that's there too. It it, it kind of is a game that makes of it what you bring to it, which, again, getting to the book point, that's a lot, like that's how a lot of great novels work. Um, that said, holy moly, this game is just reading. There is no voice acting. There's none of that. It has some of the most peaceful music, uh, imaginable, which is on one hand, great. On the other hand, will put certain people to sleep. Um, I love this game might be my favorite game of the year. I don't know if I expect it to even survive this round. I want to say, uh, definitely a struggle to get through the intro part. Uh, before the actual murder happens, which plan, plan alluded to. Once that happened, I was more engaged with it, but still a struggle. Again, my ADD is like fighting this a little bit because 
just the sound of uh, a, a quill striking mm-hmm. parchment was enough to put me asleep. But I was, I really enjoyed the writing. I think the writing is like very strong in ways that I was not expecting given the topics of the game. It's it funny. is very snappy. It's funny. It gives you a lot of agency in conversations. Um, it made me feel more tied to characters than ordinarily I think I would have. Um, so I was pretty struck by that for a game that is like just an inch above a narrative, uh, a, a visual novel. Um, you know, it's rare that these games have very strong writing. So like this, I thought was a really exa- a great example of that. And yeah, as Plant said, it's gorgeous. And it also has big head mode. I don't know why it has big head mode, but it does. I'm glad it does. It's <laughs> important. Did anybody else have feelings about it that they want to share? I, God almighty, I really, really, really wanted to, to, to bust into it, but it, it is, uh, man, it's, it's a slow fucking burn, man. And it, I, I honestly kind of feel the same way about it that y'all feel about, uh, like God of War and Horizon Forbidden West, which is yeah. like, I, I, I keep waiting for it to really hook Grab me. You. And uh, despite the fact that I want that to happen so desperately, it just has it just hasn't well, happened yet, and I don't think I have another attempt let's left move, in me. Let's bounce to immortality, and we might come back to Pentiment if we're getting the sense that it's gonna, you know, if this is the end of the road for it. But let's talk about immortality first. Uh, immortality is the new game from Sam Barlow, who you may remember from Silent Hill: Shattered Memories, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, her story and some work with Echo Studios. I think he worked on war games, right? At least contributed to that. He makes acting games. Makes what? Acting games. Acting games. God, Russ, yes. The genre has been renamed to acting <laughs> games. Uh, it's an F. Uh, Immortality is an, uh, it's an FMV game uh, in the sense that the, the entirety of it is s- s- filmed clips of real people. You are um, uh, sort of tracking down the life story of an actress who appeared in three different movies, none of which seem to have actually been theatrically released. And you are uh, reassembling these films in a sense, uh, not to completion, but you're, you're seeing how these films were made and scenes from the films themselves. Um, and the way you interact with these uh, are you find objects in the clips that you're viewing. And if you click an object, you'll be taken to another scene in which a similar object appears. So for instance, you see a pool of blood in a scene. You might click on that pool of blood uh, and find blood from another scene. A scene or ketchup spilled. Or, or, yeah, whatever. It could be a spill. It could categorize that as a spill. Sometimes you'll click on like a prop weapon and actually see a real weapon in the clip that you are transported to. There are also some like layers beneath that initial surface that help you to get to the meat of the game. Um, I will say that it's very open to interpretation. It's a game that's like asking a lot of questions, but not giving a lot of answers. Um, But it is magnificently acted, incredibly well shot. I found it really like, um, immersive in a way that FMV can do when it's done well, um, where it's sort of uh, you're you're gently pulled in and sort of like living in this world. It's so well realized. Um, 
this isn't going to work for everybody. I it, it is mechanically really light in the same way that that Pentiman is, not to the same extent, but I mean, neither one of these games are like you, you know dual stick shooters or anything. Uh, but I, for me, I just thought it was a wonderful use of of the the uh, this video technology like that you don't see used very well outside of games that Sam Barlow makes, I guess. But uh, yeah, I I loved it. Also has I would say a kind of magic trick that it does that when you discover it is very very cool and seeing people discover it is very very cool. Uh, I remember talking to Travis about this. I mean, you guys talking to me about this game on the episode where we we uh, first discussed it, and I hadn't seen sort of that, the aforementioned trick, which maybe we'll spend some more time on if this game makes it to the next round. Uh, that That is cool. I love when a game can pull that off. It uh, On the other hand, I think that that makes it inherently kind of spoilable, but that seems like a weird... I, I don't even think you can spoil it. it because it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and like, and and I'm not saying that like, oh, I didn't get it. I think that that's like the reaction people have when I don't like a Chris Nolan movie. And they're like, well, you just didn't think about it. Did you see it was in their minds? It's like, no, I, I get what it's doing. I just, I find, I find the message of this game shallow and like a bit insipid. Um, it's pretty cynical, I would say. It's, it's uh, profoundly cynical. And what I don't like about the cynicism is not only is it cynical, but it's like, okay, I've heard this a trillion times. Mm-hmm. You know, it, art is this parasitic force. And, you know, that being an artist is torturous and that it, it can fuel all this offer behavior in the entertainment industry. And all, all of this is true. I'm I'm aware, you know, like I, I, I found that very frustrating. And for me, this game works best just as those three movies. When I'm actually watching the three movies that they made, it's, a, I mean, what an incredible feat. The movies, like you said, Justin, they're well acted. They're well written for what they're trying to do. Um, They're enjoyable. And then the deeper the game pulls away from that, the more that I just found myself getting increasingly frustrated. And then on a mechanical level, I just, I don't know. Do you think this is like a good mechanic or does it feel to you like they gave us like a tool and never actually finished making the game? It feels like an experiment. I don't think it feels like a fully realized, how does this manifest into the experience that we should be having? the idea of like clicking around to the various things, it just kind of feels a little bit arbitrary. And I kind of wanted to, I don't know, engage with the clips in a more interesting way than just like constantly clicking on things and going to some more scenes. Because once all the scenes are revealed, like there is an element of like, okay, I'm going to watch this and make sense of it. But getting there, I don't know, takes, there's some randomness to it. And yeah, I, I, I agree with Point. Like, I don't think the overall narrative sustains the, uh, you know, performances or the or the movies themselves or anything. Um, I think it's fine. It's interesting. But I, yeah, it doesn't stand out to me. Um, certainly, I mean, I think Pentiment will uh, stand out to me more. This is not how I expected this conversation to go. So, so where, where are we? Probably, where are we leaving? Probably 2-2. Two, two. I'm I yeah I I preferred uh, immortality I think yeah your points are well made though plant and I, and I do think that this is this is <laughs> an interesting thought experiment for both of these but in a world where uh, 
several of these types of games were released every year. If you had a lot of of these types of games, um, I think my feelings on immortality might might differ. Um, I I really love the experience, but I think the things that you're saying about the the message uh, not not clicking with you, I definitely felt the same way. It was much more about the thrill of the discovery and the the tone and look and all that sort of stuff more than it is the um the message that it that it is uh carrying across um and i think in this case like it the entire game is relying on that message like you need to click click with that because it's like at its core an extremely narrative game like pentiment is a narrative game as well but it has many arcs where you get those satisfying clicks after, you know, solving a like mini case, whatever. But Immortality, like you don't really get that eventual satisfying arc until the very end. So it better be damn well good. And it just didn't land for me. Uh, I'm fine with, I'm fine with Pinnament here. It, I can tell there's a lot of strong, strong love for it. Um, I have, I've said my piece about our immortality I, while accepting that I loved it. It's not going to be for everybody. That's fine. It's not going to have the wide mainstream appeal of a, a Pentiment, for example. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think I think I'm I'm good with that. Wow, I'm 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 genuinely surprised. I thought I was going to give that exact same speech, but the other way around. But I'll take it. I'm not I'm not going to turn around now. Um, thank yeah, you. Don't look back. We are going to make you make Pentiment and Citizen Sleeper fight each other. So that's I, so fun. I, I'm excited. Oh yeah, and I I already know where that's gonna go. I if if there's a way that you all can get to like at least the second act, I I think that would be good. If if you can, I I I know that that's a, a big ask, try. but it, because it once it 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 it's doing something much bigger, and we I want to talk about that next week. Um, our last matchup for today: Marvel Snap versus Nobody Saves the World. I wow. think this was the matchup where Plant had no idea how to match these two games. <laughs> these are, yeah, <laughs> these are ephemera. Potpourri. Well, no, 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 no. In Marvel Snap, it's talking about the Thanos snap, and nobody's going to save the world after that. Oh. Wow. Let me talk about, can I talk about Nobody Says the World real quick? Yeah, yeah please. Or no, Fresh Stick, why don't you, do you want to talk about one of these? Because I feel like we've gotten less, less from you this episode. Hmm. Uh, I'll talk about Nobody Saves the World, just Great. as a quick refresher. You are a... Like literal nobody, you're like just like a clay being, and uh, you are plopped into this world, and eventually you are given the ability to transform yourself into a creature. I think it starts with a rat, and eventually the creatures get more and more extravagant. Um, there's you know uh, birds and bears and all sorts of crazy demon stuff. It's been a little while, but uh, there's like a skeleton thing. Anyway. Uh, you uh, use the abilities of these different characters to essentially like win various combat challenges set across dungeons in this world. Um, and that's pretty cool just to start off with. Like you're learning, oh, I this archer fires this way, etc. Where it gets really interesting is that you eventually start blending between these, let's say, 20 different classes. So you're basically crafting a uh, multi-class character using whatever abilities you find along the way. And it turns into like a much more off the rails version of Diablo than I certainly was expecting. It, it just gives you so much player freedom to design and craft your own character 
that I found it tremendously satisfying because you're constantly like swapping depending on the situation. Oh, I'm fighting these guys that are weak to whatever dark versus uh, light or uh, blunt damage or whatever it is. And so you're adjusting your character according to that and you're not locked into, oh, I have to play an archer the whole time. Uh, and it's all paired with like a really fun, cutesy, cartoony art style uh, and like really fun writing, like silly, lighthearted writing. Um, great and multiplayer. Great really, multiplayer. Maybe my great. favorite local multiplayer experience of the year. Yeah, so super fun, fun multiplayer. Um, oh, wait, no, Kirby is that, but this is close behind it. Super yeah, fun. You can join. It just caps at two, right? It's it's not more than two. I don't know. I only play. I think that's right. Yeah. yeah. But it's very good with two players. Um, and Especially once you unlock like the character customization stuff, mm-hmm. like it really allows you to cover all of your 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 bases in a way that uh, playing in single player didn't really. I, this game didn't click for me until I played it with Henry, uh, and then it clicked for me in a, in a big way. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's nobody saves the world. Marvel snaps. Ugh. I'm I I will be straight up with you all. I am my feet. The worm has turned on Marvel Snap for me in such a big way, which is heartbreaking because <laughs> I think it is in a the good best, way or a bad way. Sounds in a bad, bad way. way. Okay. I think that it is the best designed TCG since Hearthstone, which makes sense. I think that we and we've talked about the virtues of Marvel Snap uh, a lot. Uh, the way the way that it sort of. Uh, condenses down all of the decision-making and strategy that goes into a, a trading card game into a much, much, much more digestible package is uh, is brilliant. Uh, and I've played it a fucking lot, and I know that the rest of us have too, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how much you all have been paying attention to how they have added monetization hooks into the game, but it's fucking bonkers it is absolutely ludicrous uh what what they have done for example right now if you want gambit and rogue they got some variants on sale of gambit and rogue gambit's a great card i think it's a series three or series four card that's in like a lot of decks especially it's it's the 90s like it's the 90s aesthetic it's not exactly from the 90s cartoon but it looks kind of like it and you can get those two cards and a handful of credits and two character avatars for 30 goddamn dollars (laughs) now you say a handful of credits it's like it's like 15 bucks worth of credits it's 1500 credits which (laughs) credits have never been in short supply for me but wait two cards never I'm sitting on like 2,400 credits right now. I only do it when I, I get enough boosters to boost my shit. Oh, you don't Regardless, like buy the daily like quick boosters. There are, you could buy a handful of the games on this list for $30. That's insane. They also launch tokens, which you can use to purchase specific cards from the store. They start you off with 3,000 tokens when this feature launched. And some of the cards are 1,000. The like uh, sort of basic uh cards do they separate them by cost by energy cost is that how they do it because black panther is on sale now and it's a five energy cost card for five thousand credits regardless uh you can find some of those credits through the like rank up feature throughout the game but like if a card pops up that you want you can pin it but they also were charging uh and it's still available a pack that has three thousand more tokens uh, a, a variant for Apocalypse, bunch of credits, some boosters. 
for 7,500 gold, which uh, 8,000 gold is 100 American dollars. Oh that is God. wild. That is it's fucking. Wild. It's so, for me. It is it, the extent to which this has completely disintegrated the goodwill that I felt towards this game. I I genuinely have stopped playing it pretty much altogether, partially because Vampire Survivors is on there now and that shit's free. It reeks But it's of, it's disgusting. It reeks of this thing got really big really fast and someone in an office was like, put as much money-making hooks as you can into this thing right now. Well, and it, and it you is, can't raise money. You can't raise the cost of something that you've already sold for a lower co- cost, but you can lower it. And I think they probably were like, let's put it at the ceiling and see what happens. Right. Let's see. Let's see how much people are willing to. Let's see if there are whales out there. I actually have a bigger problem with, uh, aside from that, and I'm again, my collection level is like 732. I played a ton, ton, ton of Marvel Snap. Really enjoyed it. Um, recently, I've found that the uh, locations that will pop up are often so sort of like wild and random and significant that it sort of um, makes all of your deck building and even the playing of the match irrelevant. Um, and I'm running into more and more areas like that. Like I had Ego, the the planet Ego uh, yeah. location pop up, and that just plays all your cards for you. Like you don't even play anymore. <laughs> um, and there's a lot of locations like that where it's like, okay, well, this is just so wild that it doesn't matter what else I've got in my deck. Like, I'm, I, yeah. this is already over. Um, there was a recent one that had you draw three cards and then it destroyed the rest of your hand, which is like, I, I run a deck based around a handful of cards that if I don't draw them, that's it. So, like, if that was the first location, on the very first round of the game, I would say, like, well, this I'm going to lose, so bye. And the game's not particularly fun when someone bails out after, like, a round or two. It completely gets rid of the whole like snapping wager mechanic, uh, which is so which is so brilliant because it forces you to kind of slow play and bluff sometimes, which are like mechanics that haven't really been featured in a trading card game before, but they are rendered completely like void by these these uh these locations that do pretty much just turn it into a a, you know, roll of the dice. Um I, I yeah I don't I've these past couple weeks have been really bad for me with regards to Marvel Snap uh, and can I ask a quick question about the monetization is it just cosmetic layers for these these cards well, or are you like well you like only- I don't have Gambit right so the series three cards you have to get through these random collector packages as Loot you pick up right well yeah. no because you're not you're not paying for those necessarily you could but they're random out you could extrapolate out like oh you could buy gold to buy credits to pay for the boost like whatever all that stuff i feel like has been was great genuinely right. at launch it, like was was a really this was a really consumer friendly game i feel like starting out but like i i don't have gambit and it's a great card so i if i wanted to drop 30 bucks to get like the leg up you know, it, it, that is an option that is now available to available to me, and that that fresh stinks. To explain that a little bit more, on, on theoretically, you're just paying for these visual upgrades. But when you visually, when you get a new card, and then you upgrade that card, each time yeah. you upgrade that card, you're increasing your level. Right. And as yeah, your I level know. increases, that's where you get to unlock more cards. So. Yeah, yeah. 
it, 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 they're kind of having it both ways. They can say, like, this is purely visual. But it's, it's a, but like, it, yeah, but straight but... up, it, it is not, though, because I don't yeah. have Gambit, right? Like, I could yeah. keep playing and keep waiting on Gambit to drop in one of these packs, or I could just buy yeah. him. Uh, and the same oh, yeah, thing for the tokens. Nice. Like, oh, man, this, this new card. Uh, I've been waiting for, like, uh, Hela, I think, is one of the cards. Hera is one of the cards that, like, uh, everybody is playing in these discard decks. Uh, and it is a completely like like it's a huge card that like I don't have nearly enough tokens for. I think it's six thousand when it does drop because it's a six cost card. So like, I, it, it it just man, those two decisions honestly uh, have have really That's genuinely so tarnished the game. It's so for tough me. though because that could be fixed next week, right? I mean it. it yeah, it's, but it's that's not, a and this is game of the year now. No, know? I know, but like it was also as good as it was a while ago. You know what I mean? Like there, there are first person multiplayer shooters where I think are great that I loved, and then the meta evolved to a point where I could no longer participate. This is not a meta right? thing, though. This is a you're buying specific cards with money, or you know, skipping ahead by spending money. If it was purely cosmetic, I would be totally fine with it. You're not skipping ahead, though. Really, like if you kept playing, you would get all these things. But right? for how like, long? How long would Griffin have to play before getting the Gambit card? Have to play is a weird way to apply to a game that you like. Play. I mean, like, but if it's a competitive game and you feel like you want, like, you have this deck, and the one thing you're missing is the gambit card, whatever. But isn't uh, that the drive that they use? That's the same driver they use to keep you like playing and trying to unlock cards. Like, it's the same. It's, it's the it's, same pull, right? Yeah, for me, it is not so much. And maybe this is a double standard, and I'm showing my hand a little bit here. But like, for me, it's not so much that these cards are on sale i think i think you could argue this is an edge case thing right where yeah if i kept playing i would get gambit if i kept playing i would get any of these cards right they have not put a card up for sale that you can only get by spending money right but 30 dollars like come on guys that's so much fucking money when you spending money on virtual goods in games is already kind of like a like a i, I sort of conceptually a, a hard sell when I could spend that money on other video games, like yeah, uh, and and like I'm willing to do that, right? Like I played Hearthstone for a very long time and would you know buy the pre-order the expansions so I could have a huge pile of uh, packs waiting for me that I would open up. Um, but th this seems like from for a first step in like how it is adding monetization to the game. It, it smacks of what Justin described of just like how people love this fucking game. How much money can we get out of them? And it, it really has, uh, it, it has tarnished the experience for me. I don't, I don't know how else to, how else to put it. Um, so I, I, I don't know. You guys may not feel as strongly about it, but for me, uh, I've stopped playing Marvel snap. I probably will unless this, it's a sort of course reversal, which may you, not ever happen. I find this not great, but the actually the thing that I took more issue with was what Justin was talking about, which is like the the zones deciding, making a lot of your decisions for you, which I understand makes it a more uh, approachable game because it narrows down what makes the most sense in any given hand. But I found it, uh, I mean, it's interesting, but it, it I don't know, I, I feel like it. there's a level of, simplicity that comes from that where it's like oh i can only really play this card here and that's i don't know 
especially with the later zones that you're talking about, like the ones they've recently added, like even more so in that direction of like fully deciding what exactly can go here versus not. I think it it's almost, a, I think it it's an interesting a, game. I, it I like needs it uh, like a Smash Brothers battleground style. It almost needs like a ranked playlist where maybe some of the zones that are a bit zanier Mm. Uh, are maybe left out of the rotation. Uh, I wouldn't. <laughs> so be no items, so. Smash Brothers. You mean basically? Yeah. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah. Final Destination. No items. Yeah. Uh, Fox only. Like <laughs> I don't want that level of fun squashing. Obviously, but there's some zones in this game that just aren't fun. Like when the thing reveals. Sometimes I play Uatu the Watcher just so I can see if one of these shitty zones is going to come up later. Yeah. So I know whether or not like this is going to be a fun a fun round of Marvel Snap for me or not. Where are we at? I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's hard because I feel like, oh, man, I'm really I, everything everyone's saying. I don't disagree with it, any of it, except what it, you know, the pushback that I've already offered. And I really like Nobody Saves the World a lot, but I don't want this to be a case of like Marvel Snap losing versus Nobody Saves the World winning. Does that? Yeah, you know no, yeah, for sure. I mean, that's I mean, the important. I, I, like takeaway for everyone listening to this and every besties we've ever ever done is we narrowed down the games that we enjoyed the most over the entire year and some of those games are your games like games that the readers picked none of these games are bad none of these games are a waste of time you're not an idiot for liking any of these games they are dope games but in the interest of like having some sort of culmination of this episode yeah. that's not just here are 16 great games we you know, narrow things down. And uh, here, so here's what I would say. I think I would lean towards Marvel Snap because I feel like there is a very decent chance that in a couple weeks, in a month, everyone will be playing Marvel Snap again. Like it, it will be, it will be a whole new renewed interest. They've done something else interesting. Maybe they figured out a way to like do one on one. You know, be able to play your friends, that kind of thing. Um, I, I feel like this, the basic game is so strong that it will continue to have life despite these like current missteps. And that is where, that's where I'm at. If I were to separate out this like enormous disappointment, I feel in, in how Marvel Snap has handled things post launch, I think it would just by, you know, on merits of design and execution alone i think it would win out over nobody saves the world but like i also don't i can't really yeah i don't think you that, can do that, that it's a li- right? it's a live game i think you need yeah. to judge it for what it's i also presenting. feel like this is like nobody saves the world i don't think is winning by default i had a fucking great time playing that game and i think it does a lot of there weren't a lot of uh diablo style sort of uh action games that came out this year uh, yeah. And I really like that genre. And this was uh, this was the best one of them. For and me. this yeah, approached that genre really in like a totally new, weird, great way. Yeah. And also sometimes Poughkeepsie Community College beats Duke. You know, we can have we can wow. have the, a low seed win. I'm, I, 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 I agree. I agree with you. Hoops. Man, Marvel Snap at its best is just so high, but it feels really hard to push it forward. After everything that we've just been talking about, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it's it's. I'm really I'm torn about this. I really like No Base the World. If if we want to go that route, I'm I am thrilled with it for sure. I think we should think do it. Going with that route, let's do All it. All right, that's it for round one. Should we uh, plan? Yeah, I'll recap, recap what, what one our top eight. 
so moving on to our uh, our round of eight. Kirby in the Forgotten Land. Cult of the Lamb. Vampire Survivors. Uh, God of War Ragnarok. Tunic. Citizen Sleeper. Pentiment. And Nobody Saves the World. I am going to go out on a limb here, guys, and say that there may – I'm certain there have been better – I'm not certain, but there may have been better crops of uh, games in previous years. But this is – I think 2022 is the most besties ass year. <laughs> yeah, for has sure, been. man. Like, 100%. This is the most be- – I'm looking at these eight games and feeling like I – oh, fool. There's Cur- there's Kirby and there's God of War as the only established franchise games that have made the top. <laughs> that's cool. The rest of them I mean, are that's very cool. Yeah, yeah for I sure. love that. I love that. Um, I wanted to uh, before we wrap thank the following people for writing reviews for Vesties on Apple Podcasts. We have Pain Anna, Past Problems, H Smitty Twenty, and DM Occupant. Thank you for writing reviews for the Besties on Apple Podcasts. Next week, you know what it is. You know what we're doing. These yep. eight are going up against each other uh, until we figure out the, the and top then, five games. And of- then, oh my God, that's Elden Ring's music. <laughs> bum, 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 bum. Uh, yeah, then we'll do our top five. I'm genuinely excited to do it that way. I genuinely think it'll be way more fun for us to rank five games than have to arbitrarily decide what the only y'all, one. Y'all, y'all, no, 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 no. Very quick. Just no, no, nothing else, just the name. Tell me one other thing that you watched or played this week. I mean, I watched Avatar with my kids and saw it with fresh eyes. Hell what a yeah. flick. Great. Fresh. <laughs> I've been playing all these games. That's the problem. I've been playing um, all these games. Fine. Not, not really, man. Anything. I've just been trying to clean out the, the old backlog before we do these uh, episodes. <laughs> Did I mention That's Spirited last week? Di- no, White I didn't because I haven't two. talked to Justin about this flick. <laughs> no, wait. That's maybe because Justin wasn't here last week. That's what it was. I can't recommend Spirited again. I'll we should talk up. outside of podcasting someday, Griffin. You gotta give me your number. <laughs> I keep asking. <laughs> <laughs> That's gonna do it for us for this week. Be sure to join us again next week for the besties because should the world's best friends pick the world's best games? Steve.